0: On mind. Your neighborhood gives me the creeps, your neighborhood gives me the creeps, Ooh, your neighborhood gives me the creeps. Alright, welcome once again to Chicago Unbelievable. I'm Adam Seltzer as always, and with me today we're going to have a Resurrection Mary roundtable. I am here with uh, Ray Johnson, the haunt detective. Hello. And uh, Dale Kazmarak from the Ghost Research Society. Uh, Dale, you want to start out? Tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Uh, sure. Okay. i I'm, uh been involved in uh, ghost research since uh, 1975. I've been uh, investigating sites uh, not only around Chicago, but uh, literally around across the country. I do... Uh, uh, investigations uh, with high-tech equipment, but also uh, dove into uh, uh, folklore and legends as well.
0: All right. All right. And Ray, how about you? Um, the Haunt well, Detective. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I
2: get more crap about that name, by the way. Um, that was originally just the title of a book, but somehow I, I got associated with it now. So, and I get a lot of crap from the, my partners at the mm-hmm. police department. But, um, but I'm a retired police detective from DuPage County, and I've always had a pretty much a lifelong fan of Chicago history as well as, um, you know, Chicago folklore and legends. Mm -hmm. And um, so after I had left the police work, I decided, you know, it might be cool to kind of look a little bit more closely at some of the legends, do some research, mm-hmm. try to get some background and kind of do a fact versus fiction thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and and the first book, my first book came out uh, July of last year and it was called Chicago's Haunt Detective. Yeah. It kind of stuck and of course that's the website name. As
0: so, mm-hmm. uh, being a former cop, do you have access to bits of information that the rest of us wouldn't? <laughs> I'm not at liberty to say, no. No. Um, <laughs> Yes and no. I mean,
2: like with the Grimes Sisters cases, Mm -hmm. um, I've met with uh, Chicago Cold Case Squads and Cook County State's Attorney's Office, and they've shared some stuff with me because it's still an open case. And and while we're here talking about Resurrection Mary, if we end up floating that way, um, I can say some of the stuff. But, I mean, the case is still open, and they were nice enough to share some information with me that wasn't general public knowledge. So in, Mm -hmm. in a way, I guess it does help. You know, when you're looking into some of the old, at least when it comes to old unsolved murders. Right.
0: Right. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about uh, everybody's favorite Chicago ghost, Resurrection Mary. This is uh, the one that everybody in town seems to know about. Uh, well, the basic story is this. In night, the late 1930s, a man was out dancing at uh, Liberty Grove Ballroom, met with a girl named Mary that he danced with all night. He described her as kind of distant emotionally and cold to the touch. But at the end of the night, he offered her a ride home and she gave him an address down on the south side. So as he was driving along, they came to Resurrection Cemetery. And she said, pull over. You've got to pull over. Right now. And he said, Well, I can't pull over here, honey. This is the cemetery. (laughs) That's my best impression of his voice. And uh, she said, No, you've got to pull over now. And he said, Well, all right, I'll pull over, but you got to let me walk you the rest of the way home. And she turned to him and said, Oh, no, where I'm going, you can't follow. Then got out of the car, walked up to the gates of Resurrection Cemetery, then disappeared. And in some versions of the story, the next day he went to the address that she had given him just to make sure that she got home okay. He thought maybe she just ran around the cemetery or something like Mm -hmm. a weirdo. Sure. And the mother answered the door and said, that couldn't have been my daughter. She died years ago. But right behind her on the wall was a picture of the girl who had been in his car. Right. And I don't think it's actually a Chicago thing, but there's a lot of variations after that where he goes to the grave and finds his sweater, sweater. lying there. Yeah, sweater. Uh, people, people older than me generally know it from that song, Strange Things Happen in This World. Uh, my generation knows it from an easy reader called uh, In a Dark, Dark Room that I think is one of the most frequently banned books in the country. I I still have nightmares about one of the stories in that. There's one where the girl's head falls off after they take off the green ribbon. It's really, really great picture with it, too. And so that is the story of Resurrection Mary. And since then, vanishing hitchhikers are really common. I think there's a variation on that story in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And these things have been going around for a really long time. We've actually got quite a few of them in Chicago. Resurrection Mary is probably the most famous one. It's the one they put on Unsolved Mysteries. It's kind of the archetype, um, and we've got an awful lot of first-hand accounts that uh, we've all been collecting reports of for quite some time. Uh, Dale, you said this was uh, the first story you heard growing up?
1: It was. Actually, uh, when I was growing up, uh, my parents actually told me the story, my mom and dad, uh, when they were dating back in the uh, late 1930s, early 1940s, uh, mm-hmm. when the story was really quite fresh in the Chicagoland area, uh, My when they were out Doing their thing on their dates, uh, mm-hmm. going to dances, restaurants, uh, uh, ballrooms, or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's my dad's favorite thing to ride around the cemetery looking for this ghost story. Back because, when you could do that. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't just that he wanted, uh, it wasn't enough just to hear the story. Right. He wanted to see for himself if there was any uh, truth to the story. So these were the kind of stories I heard growing up as a youngster, uh, mm-hmm. uh, resurrection Mary at a very young age.
0: Yeah, so the story has been going around since at least the 1930s too. Yes. It uh, started getting a lot more press in about the 70s. Mm-hmm. That's that's when I started seeing newspaper articles about yeah. it. But even then, people are talking about it being a really old story. Sure. sure. And uh, Ray, you heard this one growing up, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, among other ones, but
2: yeah, you know, I heard everything from that she was um, died eating Halloween candy. <laughs> uh, to, uh, you know, got in a fight with her boyfriend and got killed
0: by a hit-and-run driver along Archer. Um, that, that's hit. kind of the most common version, that she got in a fight, stormed out. And right, right, which and has nothing killed. to do with the, with the Jerry Palace account. But, right.
2: Um, but, yeah, you, you hear about different, you know, and, and as it gets passed down orally, and I'm sure it changes or people add a little something here and yeah. take away something. Right, Um, but yeah, I've always been fascinated by Resurrection Mary, Mm -hmm. just because it was so popular.
0: Now, Jerry Paley's—you mentioned the name—that was that was the guy who gave her a ride in 1939, right? And uh, he's kind of the the archetype encounter. The most, just about every story, his has been kind of set as the gold standard. Um, You guys have both talked to uh, people who knew him more than I have. Uh, Can you recount what his version of the story is, either of you?
1: Well, basically, as, as 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 you said, pretty much uh, as you told, uh, he he met this girl at the Liberty Grove and Hall, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, they they danced throughout the entire evening. He said that he that she was very strangely cold to the touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing he noticed very strange about her. Uh, he even commented something to the effect that cold hands, warm heart. And yeah, snickered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, right. And they, uh,
0: they, they reenacted it. in the uh, in unsolved mysteries exactly
1: and uh to the effect that later uh she uh, they they danced they conversed which you find quite amazing for a ghost encounter to last that long mm-hmm. right I mean, that's it, very it went unusual on for hours and yeah. hours and hours uh very solid flesh and blood type of figure and then later on she asked for a ride home she gave an address somewhere in the Bridgeport area and uh, apparently uh heading uh going in the opposite direction wanted to go to the cemetery down in uh out here in Justice. and They were up, up there in 47th and Mozart, which is where the old ballroom used to be. And uh, got to the, uh, uh, near the main gates, and she started acting very strangely, said to pull a car off the side of the road, and before he knew it, she jumped out of the car, ran towards the gates, and disappeared in plain view of her. Plain view of Jerry, I should say. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, is going to her house uh, part of the story that he told?
1: I, I don't know if that. Was actually ever part of the story or not? But it, mm-hmm. it was. It was kind of brought up later. I know in the unsolved mystery segment. Yeah. I don't know if. Uh, uh, I guess. Uh, you know, the, 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 the feeling I kind of got from the unsolved mystery event and uh, the story uh, that, that was told in unsolved mystery, is that if you if you remember that the woman kind of yanked the door open even before he even got there. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like uh, she knew what was coming before he even got there mm-hmm. because they had apparently been a long procession of young men coming and knocking on the door yeah. uh, saying that they had been with Mary the night before, the month before, the week mm-hmm. before, the year before. And uh, she had gotten tired of all these young men coming and saying they had been with her, mm-hmm. uh, saying, having to say that she had died, yeah. she was dead. She put a
0: note on, she just left put a note on the front yeah. door.
2: Right. Don't lunch. bother asking about that. Yeah, Mary. don't bother, she's dead. <laughs> and
0: uh, I remember uh, Troy Taylor said he first heard the story on the Wade Dennings Ghost Stories record that came in cereal boxes. Really? And I got a copy of that one. It was uh the story there is the guy knocks on the door mm-hmm. and the woman says, "Don't say anything and she just points at the picture on the wall then leads him out to the family plot that conveniently is in the backyard and points at the gravestone. It's chilling, really, but I don't think that her being buried in the backyard is usually a part of the mary story <laughs> right now the the people that are actually just
2: recently yesterday talked to a person who um her mother. Uh, was very good friends with Jerry Palis and his mm-hmm. brother, Jake. And and so they used to play cards in their basement all the time. Yeah. And she was, you know, the, the mother's 83 now. Or I'm sorry, 81. And uh, and she said that neither one of them, as close as they were to Jerry, they said that until the Unsolved Mysteries show came out, he never mentioned anything to them. Really? Right. And so when, when the show came out, they actually approached him and said, Jerry, why, why didn't you say anything about this? And he said that that he was just worried that during the time, the late 30s, early 40s, you know, now with the TV shows and back with Unsolved Mysteries and whatnot, people more accepting is what he told them, that he was afraid to come forward earlier. Even though I've heard something mentioned that he supposedly told a Tribune reporter the story back in the late 30s or 40s. Definitely can't find it. Yeah, yeah, if
0: he did, they didn't publish it. Right. that he said once. that might maybe that was why he didn't want to tell the story right. again. And exactly, the maybe the Tribune thought he was nuts. Could have been could've though. Been. It's I. I would like to find something one way or the other, whether he ever went to her house. Because if so, that's that would be where he loses me. The fact that he couldn't remember what her last name was or where she lived. Right, now, how are you going to give a dead girl a ride home right? and, and not remember where it was? Because yeah, that, would, that would solve up one of the big mysteries, is who is she specifically the ghost yeah, the
2: of? The person I talked to said that that wasn't part of the story they had told okay. them. That it was in the fact that you know she didn't... Because I was pretty specific when I was asking questions because, you know, once you have someone there that you can actually ask the questions of, you're kind of careful about what you want to say. And and I said, well, did he ever mention going back to the house? And neither one of them, the mother or daughter, they were like, ah, he didn't mention going back to the house. And, and as far as they recall, he told the story, she just disappeared. It wasn't, hey, mm. stop the car, let me out. It was just as they passed resurrection, he looked over and she was gone. All right. That,
0: that's usually how I hear it. On the occasion that I hear like a first or second hand encounter, yeah. The most recent was a guy on my tour said it happened to a friend of his back in the 70s. He was driving along down Archer and saw this girl sitting by the side of the road and crying. And he thought it was a girl that he knew from his high school. Mm -hmm. So he pulled over and said, do you need a ride? And when she looked up, he realized he had no idea who this was. But, you know, he couldn't drive away then after giving her the offer. And it was just like down the block from Resurrection. Hmm. And once they got there, he turned to the side and she was just gone. And that that's usually seems to be how it goes. I very rarely hear of her like actually running up to the gates. Uh, usually it's just disappearing right out of the car right. and not really saying anything. No, just one and, minute she's
2: there and the next minute she's not.
0: Yeah, or like the cab driver story that she said the snows came early this year, right. which you know you could say pretty much any year in Chicago sure. except for this one. It's in July. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: that was another report that I had heard of, of, of a similar event uh, of, of a man picking her up much further up on Archer. Uh, and again, and never stopping. Uh, when she, once she got in the car, never stopping, and, and never taking his foot off the gas, basically, and driving right past Resurrection Cemetery, and just she just literally just wasn't wasn't there anymore. Yeah, and that's what seems to happen most most often. Is she's just, just not there. Mm-hmm. No physical effort to actually get out of the car, open the door, and just walk out, and she just vanishes right. somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. I
2: heard you know just recently, I had uh, met a guy through through. So I had accidentally kind of came upon the, the funeral records for Anna Norcus, one of the other Resurrection Mary mm-hmm. hopefuls or candidates. Or we'll,
0: we'll, t- we'll talk about all the candidates. Yeah, well, I figured we'll. But, so. but the,
2: uh, the one guy, he's a, a prior uh, Willow Springs police sergeant. His deputy chief, when he was working, had mentioned to him that everyone had it all wrong. That Resurrection Mary had nothing to do with Resurrection Cemetery. That It really? had to actually to do with Fairmont Cemetery. And it had to do with a story that when his deputy chief was, was a patrol officer, mm-hmm. he said, and he, he, he prefaced it by saying, you know, he's not a ghost. He doesn't believe in ghosts. He's very straightforward, straight-laced. But he said the story was is that they used to have a chain. That they would hang. Right now, Fairmont, you could just drive through, and there's no gate, mm-hmm. and it's just down the road from Willowbrook and Resurrection, or not, not well, not down the road from Resurrection, but down the road from from the Willowbrook Ballroom. Um, they would go out, hang a chain, and then they would they would keep an eye on it, you know, <clears> just so people wouldn't be messing around in the cemetery. Well, their chief at the time had told them make sure you hang the chain, and they did like they normally do, and then they took off and did their patrols or whatnot. And when they drove past, there was the chief hanging the chain up mm. on, the, on the gate. And they're like, well, what's he, you know, and then he called them over and said, I thought I told you guys to put this chain up. And I said, we did put it up. And he said, well, I came by and it was down. So they hung it up, and then they came, they all took off. They came back, the chain's down again. And they're mm. like, now what's going on? And they noticed this car parked off to the side of the road, and the lights were on. And they're like, what are these people doing there? You know, they're going to get creamed on this section of Archer Avenue in, in, at night. And they go up there, and the guy who was driving looked like he was passed out like you'd mm-hmm. been drinking. And there was a girl in a white dress in the passenger side, but she was just looking straight ahead as mm-hmm. though she didn't see the police officers. So they went around to the passenger side and knocked on the window, and she wasn't paying attention to them. They knocked a little harder. And then they were getting mad and said, if you don't roll down the window, we're going we're gonna to smash the window out. Mm-hmm. And suppose that the girl rolled down the window and said, I'm sorry, my boyfriend had a little bit too much to drink, and we're just he's just kind of sleeping enough. Mm-hmm. And they kind of left it at that. Well, the next day, the... Mother, supposedly of the supposed girl that was in the car, was calling the police station telling them to stop having this guy. This guy keeps trying to call my house, trying to get a hold of my daughter, and she's been dead for years. and it's the same guy that was passed out in the car. Mm -hmm. So, and they said the mother actually came in the press charges on the guy if he wouldn't stop leaving her, you know, wouldn't leave her alone. Yeah. So he said that's why they think it has to do with Fairmont that this girl didn't exist. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Oh well, yeah, there must be something in the water at Archer Avenue. There must you, well, you know, it's, it's an old Indian trail, you <laughs> yes, know. And isn't, yeah. isn't, is St. Is James Sag on Archer Avenue? Yes, it is. is that, yeah, that's that's the spookiest looking just, cemetery I know of in the entire city. You go yeah. out to that; it's up on a hill, and exactly. um, there was it's a story it, about it the, the sheriff chasing coming, guys and monks.
1: The uh, Argonne Lab is polluting the water. Well, that's true too. And
0: yeah. you got you
2: got <laughs> Redgate. You got Redgate Woods with all the uh, the nuclear waste. Or, yeah.
0: So could be. Yeah. yeah. So is is Jerry the only person who specifically got the name Mary? It's the only from, one I've ever heard of. Yeah. Which, which kind of throws a wrench in things because mm. maybe she was lying about her name to him, <laughs> but giving him, him the old, you know, the old fake Man, name, you know, could, you know, it could, you know, I guess well. resurrection Enid doesn't have no, the same ring Gertrude, to it. Resurrection. Resurre- Gertrude, yeah. Gertrude, res- yeah. Good. Resurrection Agnes. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit about the candidates for who she might be the ghost of. I have a bit of news on this one. Uh, one of them is, uh, a Troy that I get a guy that I work with sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, Said he got a phone call some years back from a woman who had her call her mother who said, Resurrection Mary was my babysitter. It was uh, Mary Miskowski. She lived on the 4900 block of South Archer. And in 1930, she was going to a costume party and she was killed by a hit and run driver at 47th Street. And uh, she was described as blonde, like Mary usually is, uh, wearing a white dress, loved to go out dancing, specifically at Liberty Grove. So really, she checks off all of the boxes. But the problem both you and I have had with her is we couldn't really establish that she ever actually died. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I found the census records. There was definitely a Mary Moskowski on that block in 1930 who was exactly the right age. I finally today was able to find the obituary, uh, which, which uh, she definitely didn't die in 1930. Uh, we knew there was no record of the accident or anything like that, which is not necessarily no, uh, damning mean evidence. Sure. It just means it didn't turn up in the right. papers. Right. But, yeah, she... Um, she married a guy named John Sutko and died in 1956 at the age of 45. Yeah, so she so, wouldn't dance no, dance well, have danced with Jerry Palish. No, she wouldn't have danced with Jerry Well, she might have been wasn't dead. Been, at time. <laughs> right. She, <wasn't>, she wouldn't <laughs> have been dead in 1939. And uh, more to the point, she's also not buried at Resurrection. She's at Evergreen. Right. Right. So she's probably out of contention. And you've done right. a lot of uh, research on Anna, Anna Mary Norcus, right. one of the other candidates. Right. And it was,
2: uh, well, Anna, well, Anna's. Story a lot of that became popular after uh, Ursula Bielski was contacted by uh, a guy by the name of um, Frank Andrews Aichik. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I just butchered the name, I'm sure. Like, right. you know, Polish the, name. I, I can never pronounce yeah. the Polish yeah. name, but it was close. He, in fact, I think a lot of people had that problem, so she told right. me that he just likes people to call him Andrew Jackson, okay, you know, so it works out better, people can pronounce it, but um. And I know I'm messing this up, but at some point, he had, he had called her and, and, uh, or wrote her a letter after one of her books had come out and said that, you know, people got it all wrong. Mary Brigovi, who was looked at as probably the first archetype of, of Resurrection Mary, that it was actually a girl by the name of Anna Norcus, mm. or Anna Maria Norcus. Because right. everyone says, Anna, how could Anna be Resurrection right. Mary? Well, when, at her confirmation, she chose her middle name as Maria, mm. after... You know the Virgin Mary, right? So that's where you know the, that link comes from. Now with with Anna, I mean, she did die in a car wreck in 1927. Yeah, um, and and near, somewhat near, um, you know, resurrection and and uh, the Willowbrook. Day, she actually her car flipped over at uh, roughly 66th and Old Harlem Avenue um, into a train cut, a railroad cut. Right, the tracks were there. And um, but you know the the things with Anna and is that and it was it was very well covered in the Splains Valley News the coroner's inquest and uh, but she was twelve years old at mm. the time and not to say I mean we can all say that you know if someone dies at twelve could their spirit appear as you know as, whatever as, they wanted as to seventeen be, you know as, yeah. as older if she felt like she was older or whatnot right. you know, who knows but um, but she she was blonde mm. and she wasn't Polish she was Lithuanian. Um, but the contention with her is
0: was she ever coming from or going to a dance because that seems to be the, that's the that's catch. that's sort of the story you hear is that it was well. What I always hear is that she was going to a dance for her thirteenth birthday, which was the next day. Well, which and the, the information that you found with no, the uh, with the, funeral the, found the funeral card, you found the funeral card, which a, establishes it was a that very it was, early
2: birthday. Yeah, it
0: would have been about case. a six about six weeks off. Right, right, right. and uh, also I mentioned that she's buried at St. Casimir. Right. And so and the, it was an interesting story how you how you came to find the funeral card.
2: Oh, the the funeral record. See the what, funeral what I found card, when yeah. I was writing the book. I said it'd be really neat be able to find the funeral home record, you know, because the funeral director would follow the body wherever it went. So if if in the case where there, there was a lot of conjecture whether or not she was temporarily buried at resurrection because of a strike that was going on at St. Casimir, and then mm. they never dug, you know, found and the body again it. and never yeah. moved it, so, I mean, that would make a lot of that sense. That would make but, sense, yeah. But, uh... And, you know, during the time frame, the graves were dug by hand and, and whatnot, and so I I haven't even been able to verify that there were strikes going on right. in, in relation to that. But anyway, um, I thought if I got the funeral record, the funeral director would charge, regardless if she went to Casimir or Resurrection, it would say in the funeral record where right. she was originally buried. Mm. And if they eventually moved her, they would charge for that, so they would keep records of that. When I originally looked up the George Sobiesque funeral home, uh, it didn't exist anymore, right. which I thought would be the case. and so I checked a couple other places that were um, the, that had bought out the Sobiesk Funeral Home, and eventually the people told me that um, it was the Ridge Sobiesque Funeral Home and further down Archer, closer to Chicago, and it was bought out by a company called Dignity, which is a you know a, a multinational cemetery funeral home company. Yeah. The, the, big c- yeah, the, the big box, yeah, the big box cemetery funeral you. home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, they said, "Oh, we would have thrown those out years ago." Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of gave up on it. And then I had uh, taken a, a a part-time gig with The Census when it was coming out in 2010. I was doing some computer work on Second Shift, and I was sitting across from a guy, and we'd known each other for about a month, and, and we were getting along, and, and we are chit-chatting. One night, it was Second Shift. It was probably around 11 o'clock at night, and uh, we were bored at this point, and I said, Hey, have you ever seen any really lousy movies lately? And he's like, yeah, I saw this movie last year called Resurrection Mary. And it was really, really bad. I watched it with my mom on Halloween. It was horrible. And I said, yeah, it's funny you mention it. And I said, I'm writing a book, and one of the stories in the book is about Resurrection Mary. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And he said, you know, it's funny you should mention that my, my grandfather claimed to be her undertaker. And I go, okay. And I said, you know, because this guy was, wasn't Sobiesk. And I said, well, what was his name? And he said, George Sobiesk. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> he says, "Yeah, me and my mom were looking over the old records the other night, <clears throat> and I was like, you 'You're kidding? You still have the old records?'" He goes, "Oh yeah, they're in the garage." And I said, "Do you think you could bring them in?" And I actually brought, I brought, I brought the uh, the records. Now he actually let me into Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And sure enough, he brought them the next day, and we're looking through, and there's Anna on mm-hmm. page three hundred and thirty. And I'm like, "Oh, this is amazing!" And I look, and sure enough, in the cemetery, said St. Casimir.
0: Mm. So. You know, yeah, it's pretty unlikely that she ended up at Resurrection Cemetery. Right. So, but it's interesting that his grandfather had said that it was Ananorcas all that time. Right. And I, you know, and I couldn't put a time on. I, I tried to say, well, when did he say that? You right. Because I want to try to get something
2: further back than the late seventies. Mm-hmm. And well, George Silbias died in seventy one. So I thought at least I'll get something. And then I couldn't. You know, he said, well, I thought this was what my mom told me, and then and then I talked to his daughter, George Silbias' daughter, this friend of mine's mother. And she said she, wasn't, she remembers that once the name Ananorchus came out, they kind of made that assumption that he was her okay. undertaker, but they couldn't say for once and for all whether or not he ever claimed
0: okay. that he was. So that's kind of how that went. All right, now uh, there's another one you also found, uh, I'm never going to pronounce the name right, Mary P. Ma- <laughs> Mary P. Mary P. was, uh, and I got a lot of hate mail on Mary P., by the way, I
2: started as a yeah, Mary. Yes, that's
0: another question. Is you guys get the same old hate mail about Resurrection yeah, Mary that I yeah. do? They're out there listening. Poorly we're, spelled, we're bizarrely punctuated. Frankly, I don't know if the people <laughs> who send us these things are going to be able to operate a podcast. Well, so. that's
2: true. So we don't have to worry about it. But, but yeah, I was, I was just you know, I mean, there's been so many different sightings of Resurrection Mary in so many different um, environments. I and mean, one person says they see, you know, some of the workers at Resurrection said they seen her walking through the cemetery. There's other people that say they've hit her with their car yeah. and gotten out and she's gone. Other people have picked her up and given her a ride. Other people have danced with her. So there's just so many different stories. I was like, well, you know, who's to say there's just one? She's out there, so maybe there's maybe there's got to be more than one Mary that's buried at Resurrection Cemetery that was around that age, mm. around that time frame. So Quite in doing some digging, I, I came across a Mary Petkowitz, who incidentally is not buried at Resurrection. She's oh, she's buried, not? No, she's buried at St. Casimir okay. along with Anna yeah, and uh, well, not in the same plot, obviously, but in the same cemetery, around the same section, and uh, and uh, she died on Christmas Day, and she died at uh, pretty much where Midway Airport yeah. is now, fifty fifth and Cicero, and uh, and she was young; she was seventeen. She had just been recently married, so she was a young bride, and it was on Christmas Day, and they were coming up to the intersection of fifty you know fifty fifth and, and Cicero, and uh, Steve O'Donnell which later on, I, I haven't been to verify with Steve or Edward O'Donnell because of name changes in, in, the, in the thing. But anyway, Spike O'Donnell was one of the big beer bosses in the, in the 30s, 20s and 30s. And, uh, and he had blown a stop sign and had creamed the car Mary Peckwitz was in. And yeah. she died at, at the scene, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she had actually not even published in the paper. She had a young child. Seventeen, so she had an eight-month-old baby at home. Oh, jeez! Yeah. So, and she died on Christmas Day. So I thought, well, why, if Anna Norcus could be Resurrection Mary, why couldn't this young bride of seventeen with an eight-month-old baby who died on Christmas Day be a Resurrection Mary? And the minute I published that as a possibility, uh, air quotes. The uh, the hate mail started.
0: Mm-hmm. Like you got to be kidding me. I mean, there seems to be the Mary Bugov yeah, camp If you, if you, if you camp, suggest uh, that there's more than one ghost, or <coughs> oh, if you was, suggest that she's not Polish, oh yeah, yeah um, well, God forbid. Yeah, like we're not blonde, right? You know, yeah, so. people see a blonde and people see a brunette. I right. know uh, Troy's theory was always that there's a brunette trying to get out get out of the cemetery and a blonde trying to get back in. That's one way to look at sure. it. Um, another one, another candidate I just found was uh, Mary Bojax, who I got a, I got the, the information right around here someplace. Uh, what happened with her was she she was actually on the way to see uh, to uh, it was in 1921. <laughs> she was on her way to a funeral at Resurrection. A little girl had died, and she was in a car with uh, 12 people in it. <laughs> must have been a really big car, I guess, including really the including, including the Undertaker. Wow. And they uh, went over a train crossing that was at grade level. Uh, the, there were two cars. The one in the front moved on and didn't even notice anything had happened, but the train plowed right into the car in the back. Uh, Twelve people were killed, uh, including Mary Bojax. So I haven't been able to figure out exactly how old she was yet. In the photograph of her, she looks a little bit too old. Okay. But even if she's not at Resurrection, we we know she was on her way there, so sure. it would make all the sense in the world that she was trying to get in there. And she was on Archer when it happened? Um, I don't think it was actually on Archer. Okay. But I haven't looked in the map as to exactly where the crossing was. But they were on their way to Resurrection. And it was really a, one of the more gruesome accidents I've read about. I also... Um, did some research just over the weekend and found the Eastland disaster when the boat tipped over in the Chicago River in 1915. 844 people is kind of the agreed-upon body count today. And there were five or six girls or young women named Mary who, were, who died in that tragedy and were then buried at, the, uh, at Resurrection Cemetery. I've got a list of all the names right here. Uh, there was Mary, Mary Saranic, Mary Dudek, Mary Kazuba, Mary Kupski, Mary Bizak and Mary Malik, who was buried in a plot along with her sister in the same casket because they could only afford one of them, which kind of flies in the face of the stories that I've heard that Western Electric personally paid for everybody to have a coffin. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, many candidates, but what we haven't mentioned yet is the most famous one, and probably the go-to one. Uh, Dale, you want to tell us about Mary Brigovey? Uh
1: Well, Mary Brigovey, uh again, was one that... Was not killed along Archer Avenue. Right. Was uh, actually killed as a passenger of a motor vehicle uh, driven by her boyfriend and another couple that was in the in the rear passenger compartment. Uh, they were coming back from a ballroom, going to apparently another ballroom, from what you know what the story goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're traveling along Wacker um, Drive. Uh, yeah, the newly constructed L-track uh, platform and struck an elevated L-track support uh, near Lake Street. Yeah, she was uh, apparently thrown through the windshield, died on impact. Uh, before seatbelts uh, were installed in cars, and right uh, was apparently uh, buried in her dance gown. Uh,
0: yeah, the the orchard colored orchid colored, colored dress, dress. Right. and
1: uh, her worth her dance shoes, and from what I, from what okay. some reports even go on to say, even a small cocktail purse. Okay, um, and that's why some people even see Resurrection Mary with those accoutrements, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the same type of uh, uh, clothing, the same type of uh, you know purse and so forth mm-hmm. to this day. Um, the Again, the thing with the Mary Bergovi story that doesn't quite add up with a lot of Resurrection Mary stories is that most of the Resurrection Mary stories that I have heard mm-hmm. have always been of a Polish-American girl with long blonde hair. Right, mm-hmm. And it's always been pretty much the, the staple of all the Resurrection Mary stories. It's yeah. Pretty long blonde hair. Mary Bergovi does not have long blonde hair. Right. And She's she one is. of the
0: few candidates that we actually have a picture of. Exactly. Right. She
1: has shorter... Kind of a brunette,
0: yeah, curly, 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 hair. Mm-hmm. curly and um, 1920, 1930s style
1: pictures did come out a, a few weeks after the original story came out in nineteen eighty three by the Chicago Tribune that actually shows her standing on a running board of an old oh, uh, Ford or something. Right. Yeah, uh, in short, cropped hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of threw everybody for a loop. That. Do we have the right candidate? is, right. is Mary Bergovin really Resurrection Mary? Yeah, there, there was a
0: photo of her right in the Tribune right after right. she died too. Right. It's a really clear headshot.
1: Uh, I mean, first of all, she wasn't killed along long archer uh, as the the legend of Resurrection Mary states. Right. Mm-hmm. And number number two, she doesn't have the long blonde hair. She does fit the profile uh, everywhere else that she was apparently you know you know doing something with ballroom dancing. She was buried mm-hmm. in a ballroom gown. She fits the profile for the for the Approximate age and mm-hmm. the, the, the the time pattern and the cemetery and, and, the, c- and, the, cemetery, and the cemetery, which is cemetery.
0: which puts her ahead of quite a lot of the candidates. Yeah, that's a big one. Scene. It doesn't be one. named after the cemetery, you gotta, right? You have something to do with the cemetery, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So yeah, she's still kind of the go-to candidate, uh, except for the lock of the long blonde hairs. That's part of where the story that you know there's the brunette trying to get out and the blonde trying to get in. Right comes right. from.
1: And then so. people, you know, try to stretch the story, and they say, "Well, if they want to try to fit the pattern to resurrection Mary, uh, mm-hmm. to Mary Bergoglio, they always try to stretch it by saying that she was always wearing a blonde wig."
2: Right. Well, I don't know about that. It goes back to you know, if, if depending on your your theories of ghosts or, or what what they are, um, mm. why why would you be? held back from being whatever you wanted to sure. appear to somebody as right you know, maybe yeah. she wanted to be a blonde maybe she felt like she more of a blonde than a brunette you don't know
0: right and there's also people who object on the grounds that she's usually seen in a white dress and mary Bergovi was buried in an orchid colored dress Yeah, and doesn't matter but what you know you it's, buried in. yeah it's usually usually i expect ghosts to look about like they did when they died right and now i know with anna Norcus they
2: supposedly had buried her in her in her uh, confirmation dress which is yeah. white right so that that you know, she's got a point there. You know, right. you could do the whole <laughs> pros and cons and have a right. whiteboard. Uh, yeah, behind yeah, us nobody
0: and, quite lines right. up with every with right. oh, everything. Oh no, no. X- X- that's X- what makes well, it fun, though. Yeah, that's part of why it's it's such an interesting right. little wild goose chase. No, thing on Mary Petkowitz I forgot to mention
2: is that she she was killed at Fifty Fifth in Harlem, and and a lot of people aren't aware that there was a sighting of resurrection at the old Harlow's nightclub. Really? Right? Yeah, on yeah. Cicero Avenue, which is only about three miles south of where Petkowitz was killed right. in seventy three. And so that 73 encounter actually predates the Tribune article and, and right. the Unsolved Mysteries. Right, when it would Jared only Taylor be so. known to local
0: people. Right, right. So. So. Yeah, really anybody, like, after Unsolved Mysteries, if they tell me the story, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of assume that, you know, when they tell me, well, I'd never heard of the story before... Depending, I've had people try to get a hold get a hold of me from Australia
2: to yeah. talk about Resurrection Mary, and I was like, "Well, how do you know about Resurrection Mary?" And they're like, "Well, we saw the Unsolved Mysteries,
0: right?" Our <laughs> show, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Right. I remember <laughs> seeing the Unsolved Mysteries uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. and again when re reared in the '90s, I didn't realize was was a Chicago thing right off, but eventually I figured it. Eventually, I put two and two together. Now we haven't talked about the bars yet. The uh, oh, yes. the resurrection, the bars outside of the cemetery. Now, the story that I always hear is that in the early 70s, a guy was driving past and saw a girl standing behind the gates of the cemetery, holding to the bars, and he pulled into the police station and said somebody got locked in Resurrection Cemetery. Right. And when they got there, they found nobody there, but the bars were all bent apart with black right. scorch marks where the hands would have been. Right. And they stayed there for a good 30 years. I think it was 2002 that they took them down. Right. It was. It was. It was. You know, I
2: I'd gone to the justice police department because supposedly it was a justice sergeant, yeah, um, who had responded to the call originally mm. about the person. Either I thought it came out as a trespassing call, yeah, which is probably would have would have would have come to over I the radio what they would. Yeah, been. there's someone in the cemetery after hours. While the dispatcher says, "Well, there's you know a trespassing call at the cemetery," and it was uh, Pat Homa Homa Homa. That's it. I I couldn't remember if It was Pat Homa. And uh, they had no, uh, Justice didn't have any record of, of the of the call. But as far as the, the, the bars go, I mean, the cemetery had said it was an end loader. Right. You know, they backed into the, into the thing and bent the bars. Yeah. Um, and my father-in-law, before he passed away, was a, a welder his entire life. Yeah. So I had showed him the photos, because when you look at the photo, which is easily, find, it's all, all over the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, you see the person with their hand outstretched, and I'm not sure if it's Richard Crow that took that picture yeah. um, originally, but and I think it was, and and Dale's confirming that that it was Richard Crow. Yeah. Um, and it does look as though the black bands would line up with where your fingers and, and thumb would be. Mm-hmm. But when I showed it to my father-in-law, I said, "What would your explanation be of this? You know, the band." He called it what, what they call it as banding. So in an attempt to bend, you know, a metal worker in their attempt to try to heat the bar up to try to bend it back, they'll they'll wave the torch back and forth mm-hmm. over the bars and heat it in sections. To try to yeah. get it to bend. So he said, by looking at it, he, he's seen these type of markings all the time. Yeah. And it was more or less, that's what he took it as. Right. Burn them, heat up the bars and bend them.
0: Yeah, and about about two years ago, I was doing a book event. It wasn't even a ghost book event. It was just, you know, kids' books. Mm-hmm. And a woman came up to me and said, uh, I didn't even have a chance to talk to her too much. We told She told me, I think her dad was actually the one who backed the vehicle into the bars. <laughs> well, there you go. And... That the You know, i had always heard the cemetery was horrified about it, you know, trying to be really harsh up <laughs> cover it up, don't <laughs> let anyone know about it. and she, right. she According to her, they thought it was a huge joke for years. They teased her dad about it endlessly. <laughs> I wish I had gotten more information from her at the it time. That would have been great.
1: Yeah. Well, see, my personal opinion, the, the cemetery really blew it more out of proportion than, than it really could have been. Right. I mean, it it, it was simply a truck accident. <laughs> I mean, they should have left it at that. By, by giving it more... Giving the bars more notoriety than they than they needed, mm-hmm. going out there putting literally round the clock security <laughs> on the bars That's so people right. couldn't gawk at the bars, number one, which they did for a long time. Yeah, sure. Because the cemetery. Of now it's one, a cover up because the cemetery is number keeping two, people away. going right. out there and then trying to heat the bars up to for, to to straighten them out, and then uh, when that didn't happen, they, they tried to, to to obliterate these marks using a blowtorch. Mm-hmm. And it, all they made the bars uh, look was black and sooty. They were easily seen Marcher Avenue to try to more attention. <laughs> so then they had to hacksaw the bars out for right. a while. And they put a wire mesh fence in there to so keep people from crawling through the gates. Mm-hmm. They were gone for a period of time. And then instead of, uh, you know, instead of stopping the story altogether, the, the easiest way was to buy two brand new bars and mm-hmm. put them back Just in. Sure so they, sure. yeah. they put those same two bars back right. in mm-hmm. and straightened them. Right. And they stayed, in there therefore, to, to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the people said that you know that where the handprints were, they remained rusty marks. They didn't return back to corrosive color, uh, which is they basically a copper bronze alloy. Sure, and the, right. the, 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 the green patina surface is kind of a corrosion, mm-hmm. the oxidation caused mm-hmm. by the exposure to the copper bronze alloy to the the elements. And they were further proof. They said that resurrection Mary was keeping the bars from corroding green right. color. So the cemetery had to further try to cover them up by first painting the bars green. They used a very deep hunter green, which made them stood out even more. So I remember the hunter green. The hunter green. Yeah. And then they eventually painted them to what they look like today, gold. So I mean, the cemetery did a lot themselves to make the story much bigger than it could have been. Right. Yeah.
2: I couldn't resist. It was about a year and a half ago. The car plowed through the. The fence at a Resurrection Cemetery, and actually taken out a section of the of the metal bars, and so they had like this this cheap chain link fence up there temporarily, and and I was in there actually doing some other historical research, was looking someone up that had been buried at Resurrection, and I was kind of joking with the people behind the um, behind the desk because I said, you know, if you don't get that section of the bars cleared up pretty soon you're gonna have every ghost hunter in the world <laughs> trying to figure trying to, or you could just say, you know put it in the paper that she finally got out <laughs> you know so there's no need to come back anymore because yeah. instead of bending the bar she just took out the whole section nobody was
0: laughing <laughs> and then i left really quickly <laughs> yeah. now you you also mentioned that you uh, you've been through their files in the uh, eight. Well, what it is is, is that um you
2: know, right now if you go to if you go to Resurrection Cemetery, everything's computerized, you've got the kiosk when you go in there. Mm-hmm. If you punch up Mary Bergovi, the only Mary Bergovi that's gonna come up on their screen is the one that
0: was buried in twenty two. Right. There's you know, you see all over the internet you can right. see like the A pictures picture of the picture of which and originally which said is, it was her mother and right. and it has nothing at all to do right. with Right. Totally different Mary Bergovey. I mean it
2: could be her aunt right. for all we know, but, but Def- it's definitely, definitely, definitely not her not mother her. and it's not yeah. yeah, she's not buried there. She's over by her parents, um, Stephen and Johanna. But um, but anyway, the uh, yeah, so I, I, I do a lot of genealogical research, and you can I'm not going to say exactly where the records are. If people do genealogical research, they're going to know where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily want to inundate this poor archives with a ton of people trying to look it up. But, um, but I, I was able to look at the microfilm records of the old uh, Resurrection Cemetery records that were microfilmed in the mid-'80s. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 1984, and... Um, you know, Mary Brugovie, the one the one who is supposedly Resurrection Mary, her card is in there, and it says where she was buried. She was actually moved. You know, mm-hmm. there were some stories about her being moved, and she was. Yeah. She was in one se- section of the cemetery by the single graves, and then after her parents had passed away, they had moved her from that point to put her in the more permanent family plot. Mm-hmm. Um, still unmarked. She doesn't have a stone. But the interesting thing was when you looked up her name, all the Brugovies are in alphabetical order on these index cards, there's an index card right before hers that's just a single card blank, and all that's written on it is Resurrection Mary in handwriting right so, before her name. So at some point, the cemetery thought it necessary to write the name Resurrection Mary at the index card right before her name. Yeah.
0: So for so, a reason, I'm not sure, because... Well, you do hear stories about, like, the caretaker mm-hmm. saying that he actually saw her ghost up and walking right. around right. specifically. right. Uh, shortly after she died. Is that is that right, Dale? That it was the the caretaker said so?
1: Yeah, I, I've heard stories like that. I've, I've I've actually heard, you know, stories of uh, uh, you know things going on in the mausoleum as well. They may not be even related to resurrection right. Mary stories too, but yeah, you know, yeah.
2: There's probably more than one ghost of resurrection. Oh, cemetery. Yeah. It seems like yeah,
1: all <laughs> down Archer <laughs> Avenue it right, seems like t right. yeah. tell, tell people that I don't believe the cemetery is as haunted as Archer Avenue is haunted. Right, right. right. So I think the cemetery would probably, you know you know, might welcome me as a friend mm-hmm. uh, sure. saying that at least the cemetery is not haunted. Sure, sure.
0: Because
1: uh, most of the sightings of Resurrection Mary don't happen in the cemetery. Right, mm-hmm. they happen, right. They Archer, happen near Archer nearby. And, right. Yeah, near the cemetery. Huh.
2: So, and then we can get into the whole discussion about where, you know, what ballroom Yeah. Associated with Resurrection.
0: Yeah, well, you know, nowadays people usually go to Willowbrook, the old O. Henry ballroom. Right, right. The Jerry palace was a Liberty Grove. Right, Correct. Right. yeah, Liberty. A
2: lot of people forget that the story, if, if, you, if you go by the Jerry palace account as being the original account, mm-hmm. which is a general consensus at this point, I, we haven't been able to find anything to the contrary other than some urban legends that have yeah. existed forever. Um, but the Liberty Grove was over at uh, 4517 mm-hmm. um, South Mozart. It's not there anymore. Uh, they tore it down sometime in the 60s. And the early '60s, and uh, it was just a. I had just talked to a woman who was actually in Liberty Grove uh, Hall. They called it the Liberty Grove Hall and Ballroom. It had a couple of different names. During Prohibition, it was called the Liberty Grove Amusement Company. Of course. Yes, because right. it could be a tavern. So, uh, and then it became the Liberty Grove Tavern, and then it became the Liberty Grove Hall. In ballroom mm-hmm. and uh, is what they called it but it was from the from the Sanborn fire maps I haven't been able to find a picture of it yet but from the old Sanborn 1920 Sanborn fire maps it, it looked more or less like a, a small VFW hall yeah um, not like a grand you know Aragon or Willowbrook ballroom right. type of thing more like a taxi dance hall that was real popular back then um, but yeah that's what it originally started and I think you know that there's probably a couple reasons why people went from Liberty Grove to the Willowbrook. One being the Ananorcas story, because she was supposedly coming back or go, you know going to the Willowbrook, which yeah. hasn't been denied or confirmed yet. Right. Um, but but there's actually a subdivision really close, um, just across the water from the Willowbrook that was that's still called the Liberty Grove subdivision. So I think when people heard Liberty Grove and then there was a picnic grove back there, I think they just started assuming that Liberty Grove was associated with the Wilbrook
0: Ballroom. All right. Well, one thing I haven't mentioned is a story I just recently got from a woman whose father, way back around this time period, was a grave digger at Resurrection. Said that uh, well, his story was always that they'd nearly buried a girl alive. They were digging the grave and heard a scream coming from the coffin, and by the time they got it open, she was dead. But there were she had been <laughs> scratching at I'll the lid. They have to pay and for like, another funeral, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's another one. There just seems to be something going on with that cemetery. Now, so here's kind of the sixty four thousand dollar question: Do you guys believe in this ghost?
1: Well, I believe that there's something going on along mm. Archer Avenue. Um, you know, there's a lot of credible people, credible accounts that have mm. happened that people really believe that they've seen something and encountered something. Lots of these reports uh, that I've collected. Uh, for instance, even the cab driver mm. that picked her up in January 1979 that mm-hmm. claimed to have had no knowledge of the story, right. wasn't even sure where he was at the time. He was mm. basically lost in a snowstorm, was trying to come back after dropping up a fare in the Palis area, trying to get back to O'Hare Airport, picked up her near the intersection of Willow Springs Road and Archer Avenue. Mm. Uh, you know, When you get reports of people that don't even know, you know where they're at, don't have any inkling that there's a ghost story here, mm. uh, don't are not even believers in and guilt. And, and, it's, and
0: it's from before Unsolved Mysteries. And
1: before Unsolved Mysteries, and, and, and so forth. Which is
0: key to this conversation. Right. <laughs> and, and, that, and, and that'll get, be the
1: pre-Unsolved kind of reports, Mysteries era. You, you kind of scratch your head, and you got to think that there's something going on here, but there's also a mixture of a lot of urban legend mixed with the story mm-hmm. as well. Right. So it's kind of hard to separate some of the fact from the fiction.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not, not to mention the occasional... Uh, where it wouldn't be the witness's fault, but there was a hoax going on. Like uh, you were telling the story <laughs> to me earlier of <laughs> yeah, the was, the time they they arrested Resurrection yeah, there Mary. Was, yeah, it
2: was pretty funny. I I met a guy when I when I came across the George Sobiesk records and kind of published the fact that I had them. Um, he's the archivist now for the Summit Library, and you know the George sobiesk records. He was he was the so he had been the funeral home that was there the longest for the longest period of time, and for the longest time they've been trying to find records. So they got a hold of me. And the guy's name is Bruce Beveridge, really great guy. Um, he's an ex-sergeant with the uh, Willow Springs Police Department, and um, he he was telling me he said, you know, I don't really believe in the ghost stories, but he's like, I, you know, I, I got to tell you someday about the time I arrested Resurrection Mary. And I'm like, well, you know, if you got a booking photo, we could put this thing to rest right now. <laughs> and uh, he he was laughing and he said it was it was in the early '90s. I want to say '92 is what he said, and and he was he was still working for Willow Springs, and he was uh, side to side with. Uh, with a with a justice police officer, and it was close to Halloween, uh, close to Halloween. And they always did extra watches at the cemetery around then, and uh, and uh, they were they were sitting there talking, and this car comes screaming up next to them, and this girl jumps out of the car, obviously upset, and they said she had literally wet her pants. Yeah, and said you know we had seen a ghost. You know it's down on Archer Avenue next. You know by the, the Fairmount Cemetery. And, uh, and of course they looked at each other and rolled their eyes and said, you know, okay, we'll take care of it. You know, we'll, we'll take a ride over there. And they did. And, uh, and that's when they'd seen this glowing figure in the woods. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was a little nervous at this point. And he said, here I am, you know, big police officer with my gun and everything. And I'm scared. And he said, he pulled his car off to the side of the road and had walked into the woods after this thing. And uh, it had disappeared on him a couple times. And then he finally got up close and, uh, put his gun up next to it and said stand up and this guy stands up and he's wearing a blonde wig and he's got a white dress on and he had taken these <laughs> I wish I could have been there but he had taken these glow sticks and had broken them open and then poured them all over this white dress so he, he was glowing he was in a white dress and wearing a blonde wig and, um, and so they, 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 they escorted him uh, for lack of a better word back to Archer Avenue and said "You know what are you doing and he said, well, you know, he looked kind of embarrassed and said, yeah, I've been doing this for like the last eight years. Um, and every year around Halloween for a week or two, I'll come out here and, and walk along Archer Avenue and kind of scare people. <laughs> and I said, is there anyone else out here? And, and the guy kind of yelled back into the woods and said, come on, guys. you know." And he had like three or four people with him and a camera guy and a lighting guy and a sound guy. And, and uh, so they, they kind of let him off with a warning and kind of a chuckle. And, and he said that they all took a Polaroid. You know, with all these cops, because the county right. cops showed up and everyone's kind of showing up to see what's going on, and they're all kind of had their hand, arms around them and they took a Polaroid picture. And he said he's still trying to dig that out, but yeah. Um, but I'd the I'd guy like said he'd be doing it. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Believe me, if I if I get a copy of it, I'll let I'll let you guys in on it. But all right. But, but uh, yeah, So he, he said that they let him off with a warning. And the next day they saw him again. Only this time the county sheriffs had got sick of him and right. And actually locked him up, and that's when you know. And there was supposedly a large spike in Resurrection Mary sightings in the eighties—at least mm-hmm. that's what I've read—and uh, that you could know. account for a lot of it. You know, unfortunately, you're always going to have the hoaxes out there that, right. You know, kind of muddy the waters a little bit. But
1: yeah, back in, especially from uh, from '73 to '83, there mm-hmm. was a, a, a rash of spikes, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of sightings. And 1985 is when they put the overhead street lights along Archer Avenue, mm-hmm. and that made Archer Avenue very, very bright. Before that, it was a very, very dark stretch of roadway. And I think before then, there could have been a lot of people like that guy, Mm -hmm. maybe dressing up as Resurrection Mary, maybe jumping in front of a car, maybe not the smartest thing to do. Right. Because maybe somebody would hit the gas instead of the brake and Mm -hmm. you might become the next ghost along Archer Avenue. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there could have been some coaxters, you know, along Archer Avenue, the traditional Long Archer Avenue between Bethania Cemetery and, say, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, Robert's Road, you know, that right. stretch right along the cemetery, frontage there, where people might have been jumping in front of cars or you know, along the side of the road. Well, it was pitch dark at that time. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And then after 85, when it became you know very bright uh, further back, like you're saying, back in their, mm-hmm. in their Fairmont Cemetery, right. because still in dark. 86... As a year after you put those lights, it would make sense. You said it was right. doing for about maybe eight or eight, eight, years. eight years or so. Yeah, yeah, and it
0: would be. Yeah, 83 would be too early. We're yeah. talking like 86. Yeah, so 86. it would
1: make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Uh, so is there anything we've left out that you guys want to bring up? Hmm. Let me think. Um,
2: no, I did notice that when I first, you know, I don't scare easily. And when, when I had first gotten the original records of Ananorka's funeral and it was 1 o'clock in the morning, I was getting off and I, they were in my car sitting on my passenger seat as I'm driving past resurrection to get home. I'm thinking, well, the last time these funeral records were in the area were about the time that she died right and I'm thinking, well, if I'm going to see anything, <laughs> it's going to be tonight and you know so but I got stood up oh and also actually Dick Vertibar, um, who was one of the original owners of um, uh, actually one of the original family owners of the Willowbrook Ballroom before he sold it um, to the current owners. Um, had actually, once and for all, wanted to try to see if he could get Resurrection Mary to show up at the ballroom. So before he sold it, it was it was Halloween night, they just finished the dance, and he set a table and put a drink out and he sat there all night at this table waiting for her to, to sit down and have a drink with him, and she never showed. So Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I did notice that when you're driving past Resurrection at night, though, especially since, like you said, the overhead lights are there, if you, in your peripheral vision... As you're going past the cemetery, the reflection off some of the larger monuments kind of give the impression of a, of a lit, glowing thing moving toward the roadway. As you're yeah. passing the, as you're passing the cemetery, so I'm thinking if someone was starting to doze off and caught a real quick glimpse of something mm-hmm. moving in a direction toward their car that was lit and kind of glowing, that they could actually think that someone was crossing the road in front of them. Yeah. So
0: that's about it. Mm-hmm you can always come up with stuff like that I remember though I used to have to drive I'd drive between my house and my college and there these like weird you know old Georgia roads no no street lights or anything it was just you know nothing but woods and one time I saw a deer just you know kind of sitting down by the side of the road I was like that looks exactly like all those pictures of the Jersey Devil <laughs>
1: <laughs> like well I think I just solved a mystery <laughs>
0: uh, Dale any, anything else you want to cover?
1: Uh, the only thing I, I, I'd like to maybe touch on real quickly is uh, you know, the, the, the original owner of Chess Menly Lounge, Chef mm-hmm. You know the bartender. Uh, you know, that's that's across him, the street. Yeah, I used to, mm-hmm. had a chance to meet him several times when he was still alive, mm-hmm. and uh, he, you know, he had been you know, privy to a lot of the stories because mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people had come in during when he was the owner of the bar. Uh, quite shaken up, you know, by you know things that had happened to people passing by the cemetery, mm-hmm. you know, allegedly striking things or seeing things, and that was the only place that was open late at night mm-hmm. uh, that they could you know, maybe for cell phones, you know, mm-hmm. to go in and make sure. maybe call 911 sure. or sure. call police or to get some assistance. And uh, I remember uh, doing a tour one one year. Uh, this was before I started my own tours. I was on one of Richard Crowe's tours actually, and mm-hmm. uh, he. he uh, he had brought Chet, Chet on, on, on board to say a few words to people on the bus. And uh, Chet said, "What? Well, this is long before the Mary Burgovi article came out in 83. This, I think, it was back in 78 or 79. And uh, Chet had made a comment that he knew who Resurrection Mary was. Mm-hmm. And he said, I, I'm not even going to tell Richard who, he, who she is. Really? But, yeah. Huh. And it was about... I think about five years later, I think it was in 78, about five years later, that article came out in this Tribune. So I don't know if it was Mary Bergovi. I, I never even, I never made the connection. Mm. I never asked him, you know, when the, after the article came out, is that who you meant? Sure. Yeah. But apparently he said he knew who Resurrection Mary was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Because he was friends with the family. Mm. Huh. And he stated that on the bus, you know, in front of all these people. So, I mean, he wasn't the kind of guy to fabricate these, these stories. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Right,
1: so it was kind of interesting.
0: Um, you still, you still running a lot of tours Dale? Uh,
1: now, now? Now and then, now and then, not
0: too. You want you want to give us a, a plug for how people can get a hold of you for a suburban ghost tour?
1: Sure, they can contact me through my website at uh, www.ghostresearch.org. dot org. All right. And they can check on my uh, excursions into the unknown tours there.
0: All right. And that's uh, ghost, the Ghost Research Society has been uh, responsible for quite a number of the most famous ghost pictures that come up. If you Google ghost pictures, it'll be some of the first ones that come up, like the mm-hmm. famous the Bachelor's our, Grove picture. The, of the Grove. Yeah. And, uh, Ray, you want to plug your site?
2: Um, sure. It's just really easy, www.hauntdetective.com. Uh, dot com not haunted if one wants right. to put an ed in there it's just <laughs> hauntdetective.com. dot com and uh, it's got the link for the for the uh, amazon link to the book all right which is Chicago's Haunt detective
0: all it's right nice. once again you've been listening to Chicago Unbelievable I'm doing tours too I'm doing them through Chicago Hauntings these days uh, ask for me specifically we'll try to accommodate you uh, Chicago Unbelievable dot com thanks for listening thanks Dale thanks Ray mm-hmm. <laughs> my, cat, my cat my cat just jumped onto Dale's lap. Uh, it's okay. it's friendly, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's a friendly kid. cat. He loves he loves a strangers' laps. So we'll see you next time. We're, we've still got uh, plenty of places to investigate around the city. Uh, hoping to, once again to go out to the couch crypt with a thermal imaging camera to see if we can pick up any uh names that have faded off of there. Uh we've we're going to be hitting several different places this year. We're planning to get to uh Camp Douglas, the old Confederate prison. Every other Confederate prison is supposed to be haunted, so why not ours? Uh, All all sorts of places. Cabrini Green is gone now, so we can go to Death Corner (laughs) and give that a shot. So, all right, keep keep tuning in. ChicagoUnbelievable.com. Thanks. I'll have branches like balls That go scritch-scratch At the window latch I'd never be like we're alone Your neighborhood gives me the creeps. Your neighborhood gives me the crease gives me
2: the creeps.